Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Praise God. The book of Hebrews, if you would, please, chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. This Sunday morning is Healing Sunday. Sunday evening is Youth Night. God's got an army. Thank God that God's got an army. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, we're talking about faith, and tonight we want to explore faith and patience. Faith and patience. Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to begin looking at verse 12. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience. Everybody say faith and patience. Faith and patience are called the power twins. You might want to underline that in your Bible and write it in the margin of your Bible somewhere. Faith and patience are power twins. Patience is just like a a support that holds up a bridge. You ever see a, a bridge that's supported by cement columns? That's a support. Well, patience is designed by God to support our faith so that because of faith and patience working together, we can inherit the promise of God, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely... Blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured. Everybody say, patiently endured. After he had patiently endured, the Bible said, he obtained the promise. You notice that? After he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation or faith who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Let's stop right there. We've been emphasizing the fact that faith looks not at what is seen, but at what is not seen. Faith looks not at what is seen, but at what is not seen. Everybody say knowing. Knowing is an important word here. Why? Because we don't do things without knowledge. We don't do things just to do things. There's a reason why faith doesn't look at things seen and chooses to look at things not seen. Knowing, what does it know? It knows that what is seen is temporal or subject to change. And what is not seen is eternal or not subject to change. Why would, we, why would we want to look at those things that are subject to change rather than look at things that are not subject to change when eternal things are more powerful than temporal things? See, circumstances can change. Your problem can change. Your physical condition can change. Your bank account can change. Your countenance can change. But the eternal things of God are never changing. Faith develops the ability to look at those unchanging things that are eternal so that by doing so we can bring to naught or reduce to nothing or make powerless things that are seen. And we read that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. 
And it says that God has chosen to use the things that are not to bring to naught or to nothing things that are. You see, this is the place that faith holds in our lives. Faith looks not at what is seen, but at what is not seen, knowing that what is seen can change, but what is not seen can't. And so we look at those things that can't be changed, and in doing so, we anchor our soul. God wants the soul anchored on things that are not seen so that by doing so we can bring to nothing or make powerless or ineffective things that are. Notice it uses Abraham as an example in verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, this is talking about Abraham in Romans 4, remember, 17 through 21, where it talked about Abraham and Sarah were not able to have a child, but God gave them a promise. And as a result of the promise, Abraham chose not to look at what was seen the condition of his body, the condition of Sarah's body, but he chose to look at what was not seen, which is what? The promise of God. It does not say he immediately obtained the promise. Sometimes people back off from their faith because they don't see immediate results. But beloved, it said here in verse 15, and so after he had patiently endured, what does that imply? It did not happen instantaneously. It did not happen overnight. There was a long period of time that elapsed before he received the manifestation of the miracle or the promise of God. But during that particular time, the Bible said he patiently endured. Now, sometimes if we don't get definitions, we think wrong. You know that? Well, Abraham patiently endured. That means he just sat back, moped around the house, had a sad countenance, Kept complaining, oh God, where are you? You told me I was going to have Isaac. Didn't I don't see Isaac anywhere. I've got all this coming against me. People laughing at me, mocking me, ridiculing me. Look at my body and, and all that. Did he do that? No. Patiently endured. It means he steadfastly endured. Patience means steadfastness. He steadfastly endured. He maintained a fixed position despite opposition or difficulty, or adversity. You better make note of that. It's important to all of our lives. Steadfastness means he maintained a fixed position, a firmly fixed position, despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. He patiently endured. It means he remained unchanging in the midst of changing circumstances. When the opposition came against his soul, he remained firmly fixed, unchanging. When adversity came against his soul, he remained firmly fixed, unchanging, not choosing to then look at the problem, but to look at the promise. The problem is easy to see. The promise isn't always easy to see or to maintain our focus on. But God said He maintained a firmly fixed position, was unchanging or unchanged when encountering difficulty, adversity, or anything that would try to get Him out of faith. And He looked at the promise, not the problem. As a result, look at the latter part of the verse. I like this part. He obtained the promise. You see, beloved, 
His soul was anchored on the promise of God. He refused to give his soul the opportunity to be distracted by what was seen. He chose to continue to look at the unseen promise of God until the promise was realized. That's what the life of faith is all about. Boy, I would love to shout that from the mountaintops. Beloved, that's going to make the difference between life and death in people's lives. That's going to make the difference between success and defeat in people's lives. Between prosperity and poverty in people's lives. The ability to look at the unseen rather than the evidence of the senses. Now I want you to see something here. In verse 16, For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise. Now stop right there. Who are the heirs of promise? We are the heirs of promise. You realize that God took these measures and steps so that he can show to the heirs of promise more abundantly the immutability of his counsel? What is the immutability of his counsel? It means his un it's being unchangeable. His unchanging word. God was so much more willing to show the heirs of promise the fact that His Word does not change that this is what He did. He confirmed it by an oath. That by verse 18, two immutable things in which, number one, it was impossible for God to lie, and number two, He swore by an oath. How many even know it's impossible for God to lie? Hold on just for a moment. God wants us to develop this kind of faith that looks at the unseen rather than the seen. And the way He chose to do it is by letting us know that He's unchanging. Number one, it's impossible for God to lie, and that will never change. If it was possible for God to lie tomorrow or the next day, then you see, you couldn't have a strong faith or consolation, could you? God, everybody say it to me, God cannot lie. And that's unchanging. See, that's unchanging. That will never change. God cannot lie. He didn't lie then. He won't lie now. But number two, he swore by an oath. God swore by an oath. That's what the New Testament is all about. That's what the New Covenant is all about. The blood of Jesus has filled the New Testament. And God who swore by this oath cannot lie. By those two unchanging things, we develop great faith or strong faith in God. If we look at those two things that are unseen, and continue to focus on those two things, then like Abraham, we too will obtain the promises of God. Let's read on. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have, now listen, as an anchor of the soul. God wants our souls anchored. What is the purpose of an anchor? You ever go out fishing sometime and your boat just begins to just drift off because of the current of the river or wherever you're at? But if you get yourself a big old anchor, throw it down, let it settle to the bottom, it'll hold you in a firmly fixed position, won't it? So that you don't move. That's the purpose of an anchor. God wants us to have an anchor for our soul. He knows how the soul of man can vacillate. You see, he knew that there would be the, the power of choice and there would be good and evil. 
There would be right and wrong. There would be positive and negative forces that we would have to face and encounter every single day. And we would be tempted to vacillate. We'd be tempted to be double-minded, in other words. But God says, I want you people to have an anchor for your soul. And I'm providing one for you. And what is that anchor for my soul? These two immutable things. God can't lie. He swore by an oath. And beloved, this is talking about the blood of Jesus that was shed to ratify the new and everlasting covenant that has been enforced ever since he was seated at the Father's right hand. Look at this. Read on and, and see what it says. Both sure and steadfast. Both sure and steadfast. Firmly fixed. Unchanging. The fact that God swore by an oath, the fact that God cannot lie, anchors my soul to make it sure and steadfast and which entereth in to that within the veil. Beloved, this kind of faith will take you right into the presence of the living God. It'll rip that veil in two and give us access into the most holy presence of God where we can stand there and say, My Father God, you who cannot lie, you who swore by an oath, you said this, this was your promise, and I refuse to look at what I see. I refuse to give place to my five senses and their evidences. I choose to look at you because you can't lie, and you swore by an oath, and that faith takes you right into the presence of God, where the forerunner has already gone for you. His name is Jesus. He is in there right now. The forerunner is entered for us. Even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know what that means? Brother, this doesn't make you shout. Your shouter's plugged up. Listen. It means Jesus is at the Father's right hand. He's representing you eternally, just like Melchizedek, whose priesthood never ends. He's there at the Father's right hand, and now you've walked right in through the veil. Thank God. And you're there by the blood of Jesus cleansed, and you have a firmly fixed position before the presence of the living God. And you say, Father God, you said this. You made a promise. You swore by an oath. You cannot lie. And so I'm not moving. I'm not budging. One way or the other, I have an anchor for my soul and Jesus is right here to represent me to make it good. Is Jesus there? Then my soul is anchored. Glory to God. My soul is anchored. You see, this looking at things not seen it's not just a blind leap out in faith like so many people think. Oh, you're one of those. A blind leap in faith. No, our faith has a foundation that is sure and eternal. It's the Word of God. It's the unchanging Word of God. It's the Word of God that lives and abides forever. It is His Word that Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. It is the Word of integrity that God exalted above His name, the unchanging, unadulterated Word of the living God. Turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Numbers. And I want to show you how, in connection with healing, God expects His people to maintain a steadfast look, just like Abraham did at things unseen. Numbers chapter 21. A steadfast look at things unseen. Healing is not just physical. I thank God for the provision of Calvary. Spiritually, we've been provided for. Emotionally, we've been provided for. And physically, we've been provided for. The spirit of man is regenerated, not healed. 
But if you have some wounds, God will heal those wounds. Amen? He heals the brokenhearted, binds up every wound. Our emotions have been provided for. Also, our physical body has been provided for. But I want to show you that this is not something new, beloved. Like people say, oh, you're one of those that believe like that. Listen carefully. God has tried to instill this kind of, of, of reality into the lives of His people all the way from the very beginning. But you see, man, because of his fallen state, has a difficult time leaving the realm of the senses and looking into the realm of the Spirit. Well, like Abraham, who is our example to follow after, to pattern our lives after, we can follow his example. One of the patriarchs, he looked at the promise of God with a steadfast faith, and the Bible says he was fully persuaded that what God spoke or said he was able to perform. He stood fast in a firmly fixed position. When opposition came, adversity came, or difficulty came, he refused to give in under the pressure. Did he not? And by patient endurance. Patience means steadfastness or unchanging in our emotions or in our stand in the midst of the adversity, difficulty, or opposition. That's what it means. You see, while he was waiting, it wasn't a passive type of waiting. It was an active type, an aggressive type of waiting, patiently enduring in a positive way. In Numbers chapter 21 and verse 8, you know the story? Well, let's not, let's not do that. Let's back it up and read from verse 5. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loathes this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery... They loathe light bread. Today we want light bread. We want to light everything today. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord against, and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Boy, you better underline that. I better underline that. I got my pen right here. I'm going to underline that right now. That he take away serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, You notice, they're praying for God to do something. God's telling them to do something. You ever notice that? They're praying for God to do something. God tells them to do something. Oh, take this sickness away from us. Take this poison away from us. Take this poverty away from us. Take this pressure away from us. Take this anxiety away from us. Take this hurt away from us. Come on. Isn't that how we are? Oh, Lord, do this. Oh, Lord, do that. Oh, Lord, take this away. Listen carefully. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. Set it upon a pole. It shall come to pass that I'll take it away from them. Doesn't say that, does it? It shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he... Everybody say he. See, when he looketh... Everybody say looketh. See, he looketh. When he looketh. How many of you know that you can't see through my eyes? And I can't see through your eyes? Only I can see through my eyes? What am I looking at? What are you looking at? What are we looking at for ourselves? Are we looking at the problem or the promise? The difficulty? The opposition? The adversity? Or the promise of God? When he looketh. 
It shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Notice the condition given to the Israelites. They had to look. And this is referring to this brazen serpent, which is a type of Christ. And it involved their looking steadfastly at this serpent on the pole. Now, can you imagine the difficulty of that when you just got bit in your ankle? by a fiery serpent, poisonous, venomous beast, attaches itself to you, and I mean to tell you it hurts, and that venom is beginning to flow in through your veins, and you know the results. These others died. You know the temptation just to look at that thing and do what you possibly can on your own to try to rectify the situation? Who wants to look at a pole at a time like that? See, someone thinks, oh, that was easy. They had the pole there. When you get bit, it's not easy. When we are attacked of the enemy, it's not easy to look at the unseen. When there's poison in our body, it's not easy to look at the unseen. When our bank book says one thing, it's not easy to look at the unseen things. When there's problems in relationships, it's not easy to look at the unseen things. When people are talking about us, it's not easy to look at the unseen things. Isn't this true? He said they are to look upon it, and everyone that looks shall live. Make note of this if you're taking notes. Looking means to be occupied and influenced with what we are looking at. To be occupied and influenced with what we are looking at. It means to be attentive. To be attentive. It means expectation. I'm not just looking at it passively. I am looking at it with great intensity. I am looking at it with great expectation. I expect something to result by my looking at what I see. That is the unseen that I see. It means to consider. Just like Abraham considered the promise of God rather than his body. It means a continuous stare. You know what, beloved? Sometimes we've got to continuously stare or steadfastly look at the promise of God until God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, has opportunity to quicken us according to what we see. How many of you know that? It doesn't just happen. We don't just go to bed at night, put the Bible under our pillow and put our head down and think that the process of osmosis it just, just you know, absorbs into our head. We have got to look with expectancy. We have got to look with attention and great attentiveness. We've got to look with a steadfast look, a continuous stare, gazing, beholding, looking at the Lamb of God on the pole. I want you to know, saints of God, God is saying by the Holy Ghost, look at Jesus. Oh, give Jesus a greater look. Look at the sacrifice of the cross. Look at what He did. Look at the empty tomb. Look at the resurrected one in full power at the right hand of the majesty on high. Look at the promises of God. Look at the crimson flow of the blood of the Lamb. Continuously, steadfastly, especially in times of adversity, difficulty, and opposition. Can you say amen? See, that's the thing about faith. Saying that God it needs patience. Can you see why? Oh, yeah, by stripes I'm healed, but all of a sudden something happens and, my goodness, our whole attention is given over to what we feel. Come on. 
Isn't that right? Our emotions can run wild if we let them. Somebody hurts us. Somebody speaks against us. And all of a sudden, oh, we've got all these feelings to contend with. It's easy to look at Jesus. It's easy to walk in forgiveness when nobody says anything wrong or nobody hurts us in any way. The difficulty comes and that's when it's hard. That's when we've got to be firmly fixed. That's why patience is important. Steadfastness, unchanging, firmly fixed in the midst of difficulty, adversity, or opposition. And Moses made a serpent, verse 9, of brass and put it upon a pole. It came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. I want you to turn with me, saint of God, to Isaiah 53, and I want you to look at something with me. Hallelujah. I want this to occupy your mind. I want you to give this your utmost attention. I want you to have great expectation and consider, consider what we're about to see right here above everything else, the promise of God. Isaiah 53, verse, beginning at verse 1. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is the delivering power of God. His name is Jesus. He shall grow up a form as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form of comeliness, and we shall see him. There is no beauty we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. But surely he hath borne our sickness. Oh, hallelujah. Surely he, Jesus, hath borne our grief, sickness, and carried our sorrows, pain. Yet we did esteem him strict, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He is that serpent on a pole that became the curse for us. Now listen carefully. Calvary provides redemption for every part of man's makeup, spirit, soul, and body. You know, one day I took a steadfast look at the cross and realized that I could only be saved by the blood of the Lamb. And that's when I was regenerated. And that's when my spiritual need was met. I beheld the Lamb of God slain for me. I saw through my eyes. I steadfastly continued to look at what Jesus did for me. And as a result, I was born again. It provides for the spirit of man, but it also provides for the soul of man. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That which was needful for us to be to obtain peace was placed upon him, right? How many of you want peace of mind? Lord, take this anxiety away from me. Lord, take this uh, fretting away from me. Lord, take this worrisome away from me. Oh, Lord, I've been living in this life and I don't want worry. I don't want anxiety. Would you do something about it? Just take these thoughts away from me. Take them, take them, take them, take them, take them. God didn't say he would. He said, anyone that looks, are you bitten by worry? Have you been bitten by anxiety? Have you been bitten by torment? Have you been bitten by fear? I've got a verse of Scripture for you. On the cross, the chastisement of your peace was placed upon Him. What was needful for you to obtain peace? He obtained the promise, didn't He? The promise is peace. What was needful for you and I to obtain peace was placed upon Him. Are you ready for it now? Abraham considered not his body, right? He considered the promise of God. He looked at that. Listen. And through patiently enduring during the time of opposition, difficulty, or adversity, he obtained the promise. 
What is needful for you and I to obtain peace has been placed upon Jesus. You write this verse down. I won't have you turn to it because I don't want you to lose your, the thought right now. Write it down. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed, firmly, positioned, immovable, unchanging on him. Did you get that? You can't say, Lord, take away the anxiety and then look at all the problems. Look at the difficulty. Look at the adversity. Look at the situation. Yeah, but you can't see. You don't know. Oh, yes, we all understand. The easiest thing to look at is the problem, saints. The chastisement of our peace was placed on Him. Look to Jesus on the cross and then the perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. What is that saying? Whosoever will look. Your mind is stayed firmly fixed. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm not going to worry. I'm worry-free. I've been delivered, thank God, from the hand of the enemy. I've been delivered from anxiety. How do you know? Isaiah 53 says it right here. The chastisement of my peace was on him. I'm not looking at the problem. I'm looking at the solution to the problem. I'm not looking at what I see. I'm looking at what I don't see. The unseen realm is more real to me. I see Jesus taking my sickness, carrying my pain. I see my mental anguish placed upon Him. I'm going to look at that. Difficulty will come. I'm going to look at that. What Jesus did. And opposition will come. I'm going to look what Jesus did. Adversity will come. No, just like Abraham, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. Let it rain, I'm not going to change. Let it snow, I'm not going to change. Let it be hot, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. That's what being patient means. Faith and patience inherit the promise. I'm not going to change. Yeah, but can't you see it's not working? I'm not going to change. You don't seem to be getting any better. I'm not going to change. I have firmly fixed my position. I'm looking at the answer. I'm looking at the solution. I'm looking to the cross of Christ. I am looking to uh, the victorious one. And he's greater in me than he that's in the world. I'm not going to change my position. And he'll keep me in perfect peace as long as my mind is stayed where? On him. Not on the problem. Glory to God. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Psalm. Psalm 147. Boy, i got a good one for you here. It's so good, I'm going to have to give you some of the Amplified Bible and make it louder. Put a little reverb on it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Psalm 147. We've all encountered difficulties within our lives. We've all been cut in spirit. We've been hurt by people or things or things have been said or whatever. Situations that have occurred. I want you to know something that you don't have to go through life scarred. Boy, I'll tell you something right now. I, I mean to tell you, saint of God, you don't have to go through life scarred. You know, they tell you that if you're an alcoholic, you're always going to be an alcoholic and you have to admit that you're always going to be an alcoholic. But I'll tell you something, I've got something better than what they've got. His name is Jesus and if you were one, He'll make you so that you're not one. You don't have to be scarred that way for the rest of your life. You don't have to be bound by it for the rest of your life. You don't have to be that for the rest of your life because there's a brand new life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you say Amen. If you've been hurt in your spirit, if someone has broken your heart, you don't have to stay that way. And the thing is, don't just say, God, do something about it. 
God wants you to do something about it. And He wants you to do is to keep your mind on Him, on the solution, not the problem. You see, too often we feed the problem rather than the solution to the problem. And Isaiah, or, or, or Psalm rather, 147 and verse 3, He heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. How many of you know there's no medical doctor on earth that has a needle and thread with the kind of spiritual thread that is needed to sew up the wounds in your spirit? Your spiritual heart that's been broken by whoever, whatever, cannot be bound up by any psychologist, psychiatrist. They don't have that ability. There's no doctor, there's no surgeon on earth that can get inside your spirit nature and spirit man and sew you back together again. But there is someone who can. And I want you to know tonight the way He does it is by having you to focus your attention on Him. Look to the cross of Christ because that's where the spiritual provision has been made. If you're hurt in your emotions, if you're hurt cut in your spirit, your heart has been broken, I want you to know that if you'll stop looking at the problem, if you'll stop allowing thoughts to come into your mind to dominate your mind by the problem, those, the adversity that's out there, and you start looking at the solution to your problem, you start looking to Jesus, and I mean really steadfastly looking to what He did for you, and you continue to say the chastisement of my peace was upon Him. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up every wound. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, I am changed. You know what, Son of God? I believe that alcoholic can say, I am changed. I believe the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharp, sharp than any two-edged sword. It will cut to the spirit and soul. It will cause a person to be whole once again. If they'll only look, God will do His part. When we do our part, when we look at that which is not seen and stop looking at what is seen, it'll bring to naught what is. And reality will come to people's lives. In Proverbs chapter 4, to show you this is a pattern throughout the Word of God, beloved, it's not just once stated or said, and that's all there is to it. When God wants to drive home a point, He repeats it over and over and over again throughout the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4. You're not very far away. Verse 20. My son... Everybody say attend. What does to look at mean? It means to give attention to. To attend to it. To be attentive. Attend. Attend. Attend to the problem. Attend to what uh, the bad case scenario is. Attend to what your checkbook says. Attend to what your body says. Attend to what the doctors say. Attend to what everybody else who had the same problem says. No, it said, attend to my word. Give utmost attention to my word. Stay firmly fixed and planted, immovable, unchanging. Look at my word. Attend to my word. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine what? Eyes. Look. Look. He is saying, look steadfastly. Look with expectation, with anticipation. Look steadfastly. Continue to look continuously without wavering. Just look at my word. Look at the unseen. And then it goes on to say, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Enshrine them in your innermost being. For they are life unto those that find them and a medicine or health to all of their flesh. Saint of God, God wants us to use our faith coupled with patience to obtain the promise of God. 
He is trying to tell us. He has given us the remedy. But the problem is, saint of God, is that too often we fail to follow through with diligently hearkening to what He has spoken or said. Anyone who will look will be healed. Anyone who will gaze upon or behold the serpent on the pole, when, when they're bitten, will be made well. Patience. Faith being the ability to look at the unseen. Patience is an attitude of mind that anchors the soul that says God cannot lie. You know, beloved, after we pray the prayer of faith, we should be constantly stating that God cannot lie, not so that God is reminded of it, but so that we are reminded of it. God, who cannot lie, promised and said. Abraham, look at your body. God, who cannot lie, promised and said that in Isaac would we be blessed. In Isaac would the seed come and would we be blessed. See, he looked at the promise. He refused to be dominated by what was seen. And that's what God wants us to do. Patience. When challenged, when opposed, stay steadfast. Look at what God said with great intensity, with great expectation. And continue doing so until you give place to the manifestation of whatever it is. And I want to close by looking at Romans chapter 4, if you wouldn't mind, to show you Another part of this, you see how there's, there's continuity in the Word of God? Can you see how in Romans you read one aspect of what uh, Abraham did, but then in the book of Hebrews you see more light or more revelation? See, he patiently endured means it didn't happen instantaneously. And the saints of God, sometimes people think it's supposed to happen instantaneously, and so they don't patiently endure. They don't couple their faith with patience so they can inherit the promise. And he patiently endured and obtained the promise of God. So patient endurance is important to obtaining or possessing the promise of God. Can you see that? We're not to be consumed by the problem, but the solution to the promise. Look at the promise. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God. Well, if it says he didn't, it also implies he could have, right? Through unbelief. But was strong in faith giving glory to God. Strong faith gives glory to God. And being fully persuaded what He had promised, He was able also to perform. I want you to see that. Abraham stood fast against the opposition by giving glory to God. Because he trained himself to know that what God promised he had the ability to perform. See, sometimes, beloved, we think that we've got to bring it to pass. You don't have the ability to bring it to pass. I don't possess the ability to bring it to pass. But God is able. You know what ability is or being able means? Sufficient in resources or power. Sufficient in resources or power. He's able. He is sufficient. He has the power. He has the resources. He has what is needed to bring it to pass. So he got himself consumed with the promise in such a manner that he was no longer overcome by the problem. No longer overwhelmed by the problem. Like Brother Mark said here tonight. I was so consumed with the promise of God when they said, well, your job's on hold. 
What was he looking at? The promise, not the problem. And the first time, you know, something comes along and throws a wrench in what people believe in, the fact, oh, I mean, immediately, ah, this doesn't work. It works if we work it. He gave glory to God. He believed that God was able to perform what he had promised. And when opposition came, he said, I give glory to the God who cannot lie. To the one who swore by an oath. To the one who is unchanging, whose word is unchanging. Well, I'm going to say that again. God's word is unchanging. God's word will be here when heaven and earth passes away. See, sometimes people think that when he made that statement, that was just a, just a statement that he was making to show maybe the, how important or the integrity of God's word. Beloved, that was a reality. Heaven and earth is going to be changed. You know that. Heaven and earth, as we know, it's going to pass away. But you know what? The word of the Lord will abide forever. Amen. There's going to be a new heavens. There's going to be a new earth. But the word of the Lord will be unchanged. And we'll walk in the reality of that word. So, beloved, let faith and patience enable you to obtain the promise of God. On purpose, take a firmly fixed position and anchor your soul in the Word of God. Let it take you in beyond the veil to the very presence of the Father where Jesus represents you, where you can stand there in His presence and give glory to God and say, Father, I know You're able. What You promised, You're able to perform in my life. And so when this dart of difficulty comes, I say, I give glory to You, Father, for You're able. And when this doubt comes over here, this adversity coming against this year, even people that supposedly like me start saying negative things, I say, Father, I give glory unto you, no matter what anybody else says. This is your word and you cannot lie. I look to the promise, not to the problem. Hallelujah. And you'll obtain the promise in this life. Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.